Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hey, hey, everyone. Amanda here from Gates Interior Design. So listen, I took a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, Some industry-leading experts would say that that's certain death for a podcast if you don't post regularly. And hey, I get it. Um, But I also uh, have been extremely busy and I haven't been extremely motivated to put the time and effort uh, into putting all this together. Um, It takes a lot of time to not only find guests, but put the shows together, get them edited and get them out to y'all. So um, I just haven't really had the time or the desire to do that. Um, So I'm super excited to jump back on uh, and get things back into the swing of things and get back to, I've been posting on a monthly basis. I'm going to try to see if I can do this uh, twice a month, but hey, no promises, no promises at all. Um, But I'm super excited to jump back into it with one of my dear friends, Carla Aston from Designed. She is a designer out of um, Dallas, Texas. She works, uh, her studio is in the Woodlands. What's really cool about Carla is she has an incredible amount of experience. She worked for an architectural firm for many years and then her and her husband moved over to uh, Australia and Norway. So she brings to interior design a level of travel that not all of us can bring to our clients. So I'm super excited to jump in to that and discuss that about um, what she really brings to the table for her clients that, you know, I certainly can't do. I've never even been to Australia or Norway or out of the country for that matter. I mean, the furthest that I've gone is Hawaii. So um, curious about that. And also we're going to talk shop about interior design, the trends that we're seeing, uh, top colors, and the top three tips that Carla has today about the things that she loves to do in all of her designs. Hi, Carla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, you know, I just got done recording the uh, intro just before uh, you and I came on, and um, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus. I think my last uh, podcast went up in April, and I do this sometimes where, you know, I think as a a creative, I get a little bit burnt out, and I'm like, okay, I need a break from all this, and um, so I'm excited. I let's see that would be three months so um, you'll be my first one back up so I was saying in the intro how excited I was that you were going to be like the person that comes on after the hiatus it's a a good interview (laughs) (laughs) well I'm excited to be here and chat with you because we chat all the time on Facebook and everything and um, of course I met you at DBC in person and I feel like I I have a little squad now and you're part of that and so um, I'm real excited to be talking to you today. Yeah, so I was trying to think back. Um, did we meet through the design community? I, I couldn't remember like where exactly. I just I feel like we've been friends forever, and I, yeah. I couldn't quite place yeah. it. And I was like, eh, I don't know, but we've I been know. friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been following each other, I guess, for quite some time. So I think that's true too. Uh, with the blogging world, you know, not um, every designer that I talk to, uh, you know, they're barely on social media, let alone blogging. And a lot of people don't feel that blogging is important or they've tried it and they're like, eh, I'm over it. So I, I feel like we're, com- you know, we're, we're comrades here because um, you understand the blogging world and, and blog as much as I do. So I, I feel like that, you know, we're um, bonded in that way because of it. Yeah, I agree. So tell us a little bit about Carla. Like, how did you get into the world of interior design? What's your background? Um, You know, tell the audience who you are. Well, um, I am um, in my upper 50s. So I've been around interior design for a long time. I um, 
when I was in high school, I took a home economics class and I was in a small town, Texas school. So we had like three electives, you know, so I took home ec and we've had an interior design section in there where we had a competition and um, we did storyboards and did little floor plans. And I just fell in love with the process in that competition. And I ended up uh, winning. It was like a region-wide competition. I ended up winning first place and I got a little scholarship and so I went on to major in interior design in college. And wow. that's kind of how I got started. Um, I started working in commercial um, interior design firms when, when I was fresh out of college. So I had about nine years of really, really deep um, architectural type experience and uh, working with high-end residential and hospitality, um, corporate work, um, alongside some really well-known architects and designers. So I feel like I had a really good, strong, um, sort of classic background. And then from there, I moved overseas. My husband's in the oil business, and we lived in Australia and in Norway for a couple of years. And then when we came back, we had our children, you know, before then. And then um, when I came back, I wanted to open my own business. So... Uh, I've slowly sort of ramped up, and now I have my design studio in the Woodlands, and we're operating with residential design. I think that that's a really important um, message to any new designers that are listening. I think that so much has changed. I know that when I got out of school, um, I went to school in the late 90s for design, and the environment was so different. There was like a hierarchy to uh, the design world and you did work your way up and it was uh, really expected that you, when you got out of school, to work in some kind of a, a firm to really get your feet wet and really get that, you know, hardcore mentorship and experience. And I see now so many girls um, I'm sure there's men too, but for the most part, girls coming out of schools, we've got seven here in Nashville, but they come out of school and they immediately open up their own businesses. Yeah. You know, they, they hang their shingle out there, you know, off their house and it's like, all right, I'm open for business. And it's like, holy cow, like go work someplace, go get, you know, a minimum of two years to really just learn systems and get everything set up. Um, Right. I'm not sure if the internet is really what's changed that or this, you know, um, the, I guess because of so much of the social media, I, I guess everybody feels the need, but um, don't you feel like that experience of, of working for those firms first before you opened your own business really helped give you a solid foundation? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like in college, and I feel like college is necessary. I know a lot of people don't, but, and I, I know that part of it is talent and just an innate gift, but um, I really learned so much about uh, just sort of an artistic interpretation, how to interpret things artistically and how to sort of see things, you know, with a, with a different kind of perspective. Um, that that background was helpful, but it didn't teach me anything about running a business, about, you know, interaction with clients, about, you know, how to make a, a full-blown presentation and how to follow through with a project. I mean, really, those are something you learn when you're working. So um, having all that experience after school is really important. Yeah, and I agree. I think school is, um, I can't imagine, like, I just feel like, it taught me, I learned the technical side, you know, I agree there is an innate talent to design and I think you either have it or you don't, but the technical aspect of learning CAD and learning how to space plan, yeah. um, you know, there's so much value in that and I was very fortunate that the instructor that I had for space planning and for those who are listening, space planning is, is being able to look at a set of prints uh, that are to scale so that you can lay out furniture and you know that it's going to fit. And I think that that, and I've seen designers who don't have professional training or a formal education, that's sometimes where their weak point is, is they don't know how to do that or they don't know how to draft. Whether you do hand drawing, CAD drawing, whatever, um, I think that that technical side of uh, school is invaluable to being able to run a practice of good scale because a lot of people don't understand scale. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, I agree with the business side of it. I think that if you, um, 
invest in the uh, going to school and invest in um, becoming educated with a formal design degree, I think that it's invaluable to get um, some business classes because I agree, I only had one semester of business and it did nothing for me. Like I, and, and I did have um, a chance to work at three firms before I opened up my own, but I didn't realize like how chaotic and dysfunctional they were until yeah. I opened my own. <laughs> Shush, my employees are probably back there going, this is pretty chaotic and dysfunctional. <laughs> well, most design firms are. Um, I know. I can't say that I've ever been in one that isn't, you know, it's like balls to the walls all the time and it's like just nuts and flying by the seat of your pants, but... Um, you know, the, the, there's definitely that aspect. And I think the other thing that, um, they should teach is just really working with objections and, um, people not liking, like in design school, we would put together these beautiful rooms and then like we would get an A and it's like, yay, everybody's going to love everything. And then you get out and you, you, you like have this floated ego that I'm amazing and I'm I'm a great designer (laughs) and I have this fancy degree. And then you go to your client and they're like, I hate it. Yeah. Um, And you're like, (laughs) objection is a big part of this work. (laughs) Yes. So, and as a creative, you know, you have to be able to approach that and know that, you know, everything that you select is not necessarily something that they're going to love and you have to be able to work around that. But I still think that the education was invaluable. I, I think that there was so much to the instructors that I had, the mentorship that they gave to me. In fact, my, um, my space planning instructor, Marcy, was the one that got me involved with feng shui. Um, mm. So, you know, uh, just being outside of San Francisco, Feng Shui, uh, the Berkeley Center is where Professor Lin Yun uh, taught his courses. And so I was fortunate to work under Marcy for two years. Um, and that was really where I got my start in that. So I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not gone to school. So, um, but I definitely think I would still recommend going and working for a firm just to get kind of the you know, just that junior designer kind of idea of how a project comes together, how to work with a client and not being responsible, yes. um, so to speak, yes. because so when you can you... make some mistakes and someone else will cover them. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember um, when I was in Las Vegas, I was working at a firm and we were doing the model home division, but she had hired on a girl um, that swore up and down that she was a senior designer. And so um, Allison had hired her on and she was making like $50,000 a year salary. And then on top of that commission, and she'd convinced Allison that she was a senior designer. And what she really wanted was the title. And the first job that she did was a master bath remodel. And she had this beautiful Rojo marble that flanked the entire tub. And she told the installers to cut the plumbing at the top of the the uh, marble and the fixtures were at the front of the tub. Oh no. So right off the bat it was like an $800 mistake because the right. slab was, you know, cost at $800 and I was like, yeah. ah, I don't know that a senior designer would make that mistake. Yeah. And then she kept making a couple of other things. So, you know, if that had been her business, you know, those are very costly mistakes. And if you're not established, I mean, one little mistake like that can put you under. Yeah, no kidding. And we've all made them. I mean, shit, I've been doing this for 20 <laughs> years and I still, you know, I, I, I just had it the other day with um, pillows. You know, you probably saw my post on Facebook, but it's like, you know, there's just always these little idiosyncrasies to this business that you're like, well, holy cow, what do I do with this? Like, how do I handle this? And, you know. Yes. I know. You never. And sometimes you just have to eat it. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's not your fault, but you still have to eat it. Yeah, and I think that's the hard thing too about this business that a lot of people don't realize is that, um, you know, there's just so many little nuances, um, you know, because it's a creative field, and a lot of the things that we're doing may not have been done before because they, right. you know, like I always tell my clients, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to mm. do this? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it looks really awesome in my head. And then, you know, you're trying to get contractors and trades and all these people to somehow get what you have in your head and actually make it work and happen. (laughs) Yes. And then sometimes you have to figure out how to make it happen with, like, telling them what to do. And so you have to do the research and say, oh, yes, no, really, you know, you can, I promise, this has been done before, you can do it, but (laughs) you have to talk them into it. And then when it doesn't go right, you're the first to blame, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a hard part too, but, 
um, you know, all in all, I definitely enjoy the creative side of things. What What is some of the more favorite things that you do as a designer? What are some things that you love to do? Well, I really love job site visits when I can, you know, go visit the job when things have been done properly and we followed our processes and they, they you know, a good contractor has, has our drawings and our specs and the client is on board with everything. I love just walking onto a job site and seeing it all kind of come to life and being built. That's like your dream coming to life, you know, and um, that's, probably one of my favorite parts um i enjoy seeing the photographs at the end getting those it's tough to you know go and get your job photographed and it's it's a lot of hard work and and it's money and uh, but at the end i love having those finished finished photos um I, I enjoyed the marketing part of it, actually and i enjoy blogging so that's kind of part of my business you know so um it's challenging and it's something that I'm learning that I never knew I would have to learn. And you don't think about it when you open a business, a design business that you're going to have to be a marketing pro and you're going to have to learn what is up, what is going on in the world of marketing, you know, in that day when you, when you uh, arrive at that point, but, and you have to keep up with it, you know, but I do enjoy that as well. Yeah, I definitely enjoy my blog and it is fun. Um, I don't do, I used to do very fancy professional drafted like plans of bathrooms and kitchens and you know I'd really get into it and now a lot of what I do is I'll just do stick drawings like I'll just say okay I, I think that the, this wall, this feature wall and this master bathroom would be really kick-ass if we could do this and put these cutouts here and lay this tile here and do this here and then that's what I'll give to the contractor and like I used to do these really super fancy drawings and it was like you know three hours worth of work and like they didn't care so mm -hmm. it's really fun um, you know the photographs are expensive it's hard to get those but like yeah. um, I just put up a post the other day on Facebook of a, a kitchen and it was a new build that I did here in Nashville um, it took us over 18 months to build the house and right. um, I couldn't get out there to get photographs because none of the rooms were fully completed. Yeah. And so it's really fun. He has decided to put the house up for sale. And so he paid this photographer three grand to come out. The real estate company said that they would do it, but he wanted to use his own photographer because he's an architectural photographer. That's good. Yeah. Yes. And Much so... Better the photos came out amazing and it was really funny because I pulled his folder out and so I was looking back at those stick drawings like you know the concept that I had for the master bath and the concept that I had for the kitchen and there was like seven bathrooms in this house and I have stick drawings for all of the tile layouts and all the cabinet drawings and all of that and it's just really cool to see these really fancy amazing photos and they all came from these stick drawings yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so that part's really cool. Yeah. Um, what would you consider, uh, you know, now you've traveled a lot, so you've been in Norway and Australia, and now you've, you, you know, you're in Texas. What would you consider your design aesthetic to be? Have you, like, picked up kind of styles from these other places, or have you kind of come into your own and, and created a, a style that is perfect for Texas? Well, um I'm not really that um, in tune to a particular, I guess I have to, you know, out here where we're living and where I work, it's it's very suburban. And we have these tip, very typical suburban houses. Um, and, and I know the floor plans that they, and I know the houses and the builders like the back of my hand. I've been in just about every one I think I've ever built. So, um you know, the minute I go in, I can I can identify which floor plan it was and which builder pretty much on site. So, um, you know, we, we have what works here uh, in terms of layouts and things like that. Um, in terms of a design style, my own particular design style is a little bit all over the board because I think I've traveled a lot and have seen a lot. I do like a lot of different styles. I tend to like more neutrals. I like, um, I like high impact and dramatic spaces. I like high contrast, like a big, you know, difference between darks and lights. Um, I like texture. And um, I do think neutral spaces can be impactful and can be dramatic. Um, but, you know, I like to listen to my clients and kind of incorporate 
obviously their personality and their um, you know taste into the spaces and make sure that they're they feel like they're uh, reflected in their homes. So um, that's why my portfolio is not you know it's it's a little in terms of style it's a little bit varied. And um, I feel like I bring um, a sort of a clean aesthetic to what they want. I'm always trying to tidy up, you know, uh, odd details and loose ends and floor plans that don't flow well. You know, I like things to be a little structured and neat and tidy. Um, so um, I don't think it's a particular style. And I've had a real hard time with that because I know that most designers do uh, profess a certain style and like to keep in that lane and um and that's very marketable so well i think I've design's gotten just so homogenous you know with uh pinterest and house and all these places so it, it's gotten a little bit harder to be as creative but i agree that it's refreshing to you know if somebody can really put their trust in a professional designer because I think that's one of the best things that we can bring to the table is that tidying up and making it um, to where we are handling and making sure those loose ends are getting done because I think a lot of people lose steam you know they'll go out and buy the big pieces but then they fall flat when it comes to like the details that really pull the room together and mm -hmm. then the if they do actually get to the point where they buy accessories, they're usually the wrong accessories and too many of them. Yes. And yes. I feel like they over-accessorize because of their lack of ability. They're like, oh, it doesn't look right, so I'm just going to add more stuff. Well, and, and honestly, I've had a lot of people that want to start with the accessories. And that's like the last place you need to go, you know. So um, a lot of times they'll have a really, uh, they need to do new flooring and, and uh, you know, other architectural changes. And, and then they'll want to start with accessorizing. And that's, it's really not the appropriate time to do that, you know. Why do you think they do that? Do you think it's because they think that um, from a budget standpoint, they can, yeah. yeah. I think they, if they can get away with, I think a lot of people think that, uh, you know, if they can buy a couple of accessories and make it look great, then they don't have to do the big things. And I don't, I don't even think people consciously think that. I just think it's if, if they walk into a store, it's something that's available and easy to get. And, you know, getting quotes on a new floor and deciding what that flooring material is is a big investment and a lot of time and a big, you know, stretch sometimes for them. So they'd much rather go for the easy fix, you know. Yeah, and a lot of times it's, you know, I, again, I put up a photo yesterday on Facebook with a I gal who, <laughs> who asked me to come out because she just wasn't, this room just isn't working, and the problem is is that uh, none of the furniture really coordinates, and she purchased a $7,000 rug, and oh, it's charcoal, yeah. and it doesn't coordinate at all with the room and that was one of the things that I said well hey maybe we could get a new rug and she was like oh no that just got delivered it was seven thousand dollars and I'm like uh, oh my god like and, and I don't realize that like that's kind of the hardest thing of all is to make the the stuff that doesn't work work because you're you're so limited with what you can bring to the table and change up it's like that's it's so much easier to start with a fresh palette <laughs> well and, and no furniture I think that's a valid point in that Again, people don't want to bring in a designer because they think it's going to be too expensive. And this was a great, you know, you'll hear designers say all the time, work with one of, uh, you know, a professional, work with a designer to avoid costly mistakes. And I think it goes in one ear and out the other. And it's so true because here's a great example of a gal who has spent $25,000 on a sofa, a sofa table, two chairs, a rug and two ottomans for this space mm -hmm. $25,000 and none of it works yeah and had she hired me from the beginning I could have knocked out the entire room soup to nuts for 30 grand yeah and installed and put flowers on the table <laughs> yeah and it would have been like her HGTV moment you know come yes. home it's done and it really speaks to her and makes her feel amazing and you know I I would be able to really work with the space in a, in a manner that really reflects her lifestyle and her family. And, you know, one of the things that I do too is I also incorporate feng shui. And so now I'm in this position of she doesn't really like the space. It feels wrong. It feels off. And so now that energy is in this space. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, what the, you know, and so I'm like, it's going to cost us ten to 15000 
to really work with the elements that she's already um, put in there. And she right. thought I was crazy. She's like, there's no way. We just need some accessories. And I'm like, uh, no, to, no, to really... <laughs> To really I saw pull that. this, I saw that. No, she needs a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean to really like make it to where it's going to work and be comfortable and not have that off feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got my work cut out for me, and sure. um, you know, and I told her, I said, you know, if you're not willing to do this correctly, and and you know, and I don't think she's going to be willing to get rid of the rug, which I will try to work around. But you know, I told her, if you're not willing to work with me, and you're going to want to, you know, come at this with fifteen hundred dollars, then I'm not the designer for you because I really want it to be right, and I want it to be pretty. I want her to have a pretty space, and. Um, she's already made so many mistakes yeah. and I see it so often. And I also see clients who come to me that just want to do accessories because it is quick and easy. But I think yeah. that's a great point for hiring a designer is that we are so good at being able to take the things that you love and handling the details. So all you have to do is the fun stuff. All mm -hmm. you have to do is pick things out and say yes, no, you know, and then we handle all the logistics and all the nightmare stuff. And all right. you have to do is say, oh, well, that's your job. <laughs> that's right. I know. I've just installed two projects. Um, well, one, we finally got the last sofa in. And another one, we installed a master bedroom. And, it, and she had a sort of a bedroom set. So um I basically came in with a rug, a win custom window treatments, a custom ottoman, custom pillow. Um, I gave her the nightstands to order herself. She, this is a former client of mine, so we're just coming in kind of with a partial refresh and lamps. And, you know, the bedroom, we did it all in one day, finished all that up. And it's like, it's a totally different bedroom. And um, it feels soft. It feels done. I mean, I would have loved for her to get a new bed, and I'm still pushing for that. <laughs> But, um, you know, at least it's, uh, you know, she never would have been able to get there without me because of custom, custom features, you know, and those things are, are very much worth the money, I think. When you're well, in your eye, I think that, you know, I, I just did a, a, a refresh on a guest room a couple of weeks ago and, she said, she is also a former client of mine, but what she said to me is, you know, I just want to put up some drapes and maybe get a couple of pillows and maybe some artwork. No, she didn't say even pillows. She said artwork and drapes. And in my mind, you know, what I can see that she doesn't see. So because I had worked with her before and I, I knew what was, um, what was going to really wow her. I was making mental notes like we're getting rid of the lamps, we're getting rid of the yeah. bedding, we're getting rid of the pillows, you know, right. getting, you know, all of these things. And so um, after we installed it, you know, of course she loved it. She was just overjoyed. She was like, oh, I love the lamps and I would have never thought to, you know, use these lamps. And I said, well, you know, um, one of the things that I did with her in particular, which I was allowed to get away with because I had worked with her before, but I didn't yeah. show her a concept. So normally with clients, I, you know, provide them with drawings and renderings and fabrics and all these things because there's a trust thing. You know, I want to make sure yes. that they're happy and they like it and that um, they know where we're going. But mm -hmm. I knew that if I showed her where I was going, she'd be like, oh, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. And I knew that these were items that would really make this space. And so I just kind of shot for the moon when we were in high point in April, I bought all this stuff. Um, and so when we installed it, you know, she came home and she was like, Oh my God, I would have never thought to do the lamps. The lamps look amazing. And I said, well, I wasn't sure that I could, you know, do the lamps cause you didn't say that you wanted lamps. And she goes, well, of course I didn't say that I'm being cheap. I didn't want to spend the money. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it is right there like, so they, just, they think they can get by with some uh, items and sometimes if you just do a little bit more and trust the person that has the vision then it can work out so well right and so uh, the she had given me a budget and I did go over which I don't normally do but I did go over by 500 bucks um, mainly because um, the draperies that I put in there, I ended up doing blackout so that, you know, it could be completely yep. darkened in there, which added a little bit of cost. But right. the overall look of the room, like you had said, she wouldn't have been able to get there without me because she didn't have that vision. But also, 
um, it allowed me to push her to a place that she wouldn't have gone herself because I, I see this all the time with clients if they try to DIY it themselves they don't really focus on the items they love as much as they focus on the cost and yes. so they'll talk themselves out of it or they don't feel like they're worthy of it or oh I don't need a $300 lamp or you know so they'll talk themselves out of it but if they can see the finished product which I was able to do with her I was able to get away with that but you know she was able to see the finished product and she was able to say wow like I would have you know I would have never been able to take it to this level and it looks amazing and so um Sometimes it's better to just, you know, I think people are fearful of, you know, well, I don't want to give them a budget because if they know yeah. the budget, then they're going to spend all the money. And that's exactly right. what we're going to do because we want to do it correctly. Yeah. And we're not going to look at the, the piece by piece. We're going to look at the overall. And so I really like being able to go to a client saying, okay, you want to redo your master bedroom. What is the overall budget? And then mm -hmm. not giving them the individual, you know, this lamp is this and this artwork is this because most of us do a really great job at a high low look. Right. But if they know like all the individuals, then they might nitpick it and it, you know, the, the concept kind of falls apart. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I have several budgets that I kind of refer back to from projects and, um, you know, on, on one budget, you know, one item, one little end table may be, you know, $2,000 and on the next budget, an end table might be, you know, 400. So it's, it's not, it wasn't necessarily, you know, the fact that a, an end table can be had for $400. So why did I use the more expensive end table? It was because I wanted to make a statement with that and it was positioned in the room so that it got more attention and da, 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 da. You know, so there was a reason for that in that budget. But if I had the overall budget, then I could reduce in other areas so I could make that special piece possible. So not nitpicking the individual is like really important and try just try to look at the overall and um you know that's just kind of a hard thing sometimes to get clients to do yeah i agree i but it definitely works better that way and i think because we do it all day long we know how to do that high low to where it looks awesome mm -hmm. and i've been able to convince some clients like i have an older client that i've worked with for many years and she used to be really bad about that she would always over decorate and then she would also nitpick each individual item if she decorated a room and then um she got connected with me and so what she did is she started a savings account and it was the amanda fund and so when she would get what she figured you know was a, a good enough substantial budget she would just give that to me and she would always say to me I don't want to know what the individual costs are here's ten thousand dollars this is what I want to do make it happen I don't oh, care what the costs that's, are that's heaven <laughs> well and that it was it was really a good way to do it because like you said there are the way that our eye sees the room and the way that we know that they're going to enjoy it the most and what's going to really give them that wow factor that you know that oh gosh that's amazing mm -hmm. it may be that two thousand dollar nightstand or end table or you know whatever the piece is and mm -hmm. if you bring them just that one individual item and you say it's two thousand yeah. dollars they're gonna oh my stars are you yeah. kidding me right. whereas if you can come to them and say okay we're gonna completely knock this out and this is what it's gonna look like and the total is going to be this I feel like that's a better approach to it because then you're um, really able to focus on the result right and it's such a better result that way yeah, it is. <laughs> so what what do you love most um, when you're working on a project um, you know, uh, you had said that you really like being able to go out to a job site and, um, you know, obviously working with a, a healthy budget. Um, but what would be something that, um, you know, would surprise us about you? What are some things that you love to do or maybe don't do or, or people think that, oh, she probably does it this way, but you don't? Mm, you mean on a project? Mm-hmm. Like mm -hmm. mine is my stick drawings. You know, like I am professionally trained. I have a formal education and my mm -hmm. school teachers would, my professors would probably cringe if they saw my tile drawings now. Like mm -hmm. I used to mm -hmm. meticulously draw them with rulers. They would be to scale. Like I would get really fancy. But like I said, it would, you know, take me three to four hours to draw them. And now I do everything just, you know, rough hand. And so, well, I do. I mean, I have I have employees and a staff that's uh, they're, they're great at CAD, you know, and um, 
Jitka here is, is in my office now drafting away. And um, we do those kind of drawings. We also, I mean, I personally, I don't even know how to do CAD. I let them do all of that. I, I'm old school and I hand draw and I do kind of like you do, I guess, stick drawings. I do real quick sketches. And, yeah, I've seen um, your sketches. They're pretty good. Like you'll do like real quick renderings of, like I saw one of a laundry room. Where yeah. you, you know, added cabinets. Oh, that, and... that was just a stick thing. <laughs> that was so fast. But that, but I do a lot of hand sketching just to sort of, um, that's kind of in, a, in part of, part of a schematic design presentation. So, um, that's a real quick thing. I don't know that anything is really, if, if people went to my blog and read all my stuff, they probably wouldn't be surprised at anything because I lay it all out there <laughs> <laughs> and it tells how things work and, and, you know, all that. But, um. What about know, what in your uh, personal life? What what do you, would you say that there's anything that you do in your personal life? Like, um, I'm a health nut. I mean, you know that I'm a health nut. I'm a vegetarian. Like, um, I'm hardcore, always eating healthy. But I think what surprises people sometimes is like right now it's oh my god, it's like 75 percent humidity outside and it's like 100 degrees. It's so hot. One of my favorite things on a ridiculously hot day like this is a super cold, like out of the um, ice chest diet coke and when people find out that i drink a diet coke they're like oh you know so scandalous because there's aspartame because it goes yeah it goes against your uh totally but i do occasionally like every once in a blue moon just the crisp bubbly you know carcinogenic diet coke you know i just well i'm i'm a real folk lover so i love to occasionally drive through sonic and get the get a a medium Coke, a regular Coke with extra ice, because I love that little small nugget ice that they have. Mm-hmm. And I actually went and purchased in my latest kitchen remodel that I did for myself, which we did last fall. Um, I bought that uh, Beaver um, Nugget Ice Machine. It's called the Nug, and it's from Scotsman. And just so I could have that Nugget Ice, <laughs> it's <every> good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's expensive, and it makes it's a, it's kind of loud, but I love it so much, and I'm so glad I have it. Hey, so. if it improves your life, your quality of life, oh, and it absolutely. makes you happy. Well, I've had, you know, if I was going to remodel, it was kind of a thing. I kind of got to the point where I don't cook that much at home. I don't. I don't stay at home that much. I'm, you know, working a lot and I stay at my office a lot. And my husband finally said, look, I'll buy you that ice machine if you just redo the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I happen to know somebody who could do that for us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some um, trends that you're seeing? What are some design trends? I know that um, I was really uh, excited when I went to High Point to see, you know, that color's making such a, a huge comeback. But what are some trends that you're seeing? Well, um, I think that, um, I mean, certainly in tile, like, because well, we do a lot of kitchen and bathrooms, um, those hex tiles are so, um, they come in every size and shape and color and material now, and hex tiles are so big. And I just had a client recently say, Oh my gosh, I ripped those out of my other house. They were so old. So I guess they're they're sort of coming back, you know, in a big, big way. And I think hex tiles are kind of a hot thing. Um, let's see. And Cement I tiles, ran too. Up to de- I'm sorry, go ahead. Cement tiles are huge right now, too. Yes, right. They've been kind of around, but I think just the hex is like, and beehive shape, you know, oh, is yep. kind, of, mm-hmm. kind of a hot thing. Um I mean, using brass is so is so hot now, and I don't think I think mixing metals like people are really not afraid to do that anymore. I and, love doing um, that. I think you know everyone realizes that we're we're going to use some brass. We might use some you know, or a bronze or some uh, nickel, polished nickel, and it really as long as you're selective and careful with it, you know, you can absolutely mix metals in your home. It seems better to do it that way, too, because like in the 80s and 90s where literally every doorknob and cabinet knob and hinge was all the same colors, like one, it gets boring, but two, like 20 years later when you have to change it all, it's like such a nightmare, you know, and it's costly. So it's the idea of, you know, having light fixtures that don't necessarily match your 
door hardware is a good idea because then you don't have to switch everything out and everything comes back around. I mean, who knew that brass would come back, right? I know. <laughs> and it's I so know. high style. Like I am actively like searching out for gold fixtures now because they're just so high style and they look so fantastic with, you know, these gray walls that people have. That, oh, yeah. Well, um, they add so much warmth to all the cool interiors that we have. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been a little bit hard convincing people that the brass is back. And it, it has. And even though it's all over, all over the internet. It's yeah. Well, so it's not as shiny fun. as it was. I mean, the, the yeah. shiny brass isn't, but it's that doled out, but it's very pretty. And a lot of, um, like Kohler was the one that really started bringing it back probably about five or six years ago. They had a brushed brass that was very pretty that um, was actually quite popular. But yeah, I mean, it's. All you got to do is open up Pinterest and it's everywhere. Yeah, for sure. So what is some of your favorite tips that you can share with us as a designer? What are some um, little inside secrets? And of course, as she said, you can go to her blog and like read. It's all there. <laughs> yeah, it's all there. But yeah. what are what are some of your top tips that you like to do either in a in a project or um things to expand a budget or little insider trip uh, you know tricks and tips that you have well um i just i actually just published one yesterday on my blog and it's um you know uh, i do a lot of kind of sometimes partial kitchen remodels or partial um remodels and i work a lot with the middle class you know i don't have a lot of super high-end luxury clients so um we're always trying to stretch a budget and we're always trying to um you know do the most with what we can and one thing that i've noticed a lot is when i go through pinterest and i see so many diy you know kitchens um and to me, there's this one glaring thing always that is, I feel like if, if they would just do this one thing and <laughs> address this one thing, they would really have a much more successful um, kitchen remodel. And that is to address their upper cabinets. And um, I feel like um, so many times people will leave these short, squatty cabinets up there and mm. just paint them. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, that just telegraphs that it's an old kitchen, you know? Yes. And, and, you know, it's all little cabinets all in a row or, you know, or it's dark. The worst is when they just leave them dark and then they, they stand out even more with a light wall. So um, anything you can do to sort of address those upper cabinets, you know, and um, like on my blog yesterday, I put, well, first of all, you can take a section of them down and put up, you know, open shelves, which a lot of people don't want to do because of dust or whatever, but, um, you can paint them to match the wall and then visually they go away. Um, you can, um, add to the top of the cabinets either with upper cabinets or you can box it out and add some molding and make them appear taller. Uh, but to me, just leaving those short squatty cabinets, it, that's one of the biggest tell-alls of, of a kitchen remodel that is, wasn't all the way, you know? Yeah, I, uh, what a great point. Like the anticipation was killing me as you were saying that. I was like, oh, what is she going to say? But man, that is, that's a dead ringer. You're absolutely yeah. right because upper cabinets used to be 36 inches and now most of them are 42 to 45 inches. And that is a dead ringer for, um, I thought you were going to say backsplashes because the backsplashes are what kill me because people are still putting up limestone, like just basic like subway limestone tiles and it's like oh my god that's so old stop doing it <laughs> well or, even sometimes though it's like um you mean like four by four like yes travertine tiles yes. oh gosh I, I know I'm every time I see a kitchen like that I'm like well, we have to do a new backsplash <laughs> yeah so um yeah and I love the, the open shelves I'm so over travertine you know we have so much travertine around yeah in here. Texas you would we did a lot oh. in Arizona and um California and it's it, to me it was like one of the worst one every single builder like yeah. every single builder that was their go-to backsplash. So like for the last, you know, 15 years or so, like that, to, that is one thing that is going to date a house right away is to show off, you know, what era it was built. But it's not the most functional because it's so porous and a lot right. of them weren't sealing them. So, you know, your main backsplash is probably fine, but like behind a stove is like the worst thing to have behind a stove. But well, um, to me, it's just sort of muddy, you know, and a lot of times they, you know, it's paired with, if it was a remodel done in 2000, early 2000s, it's that spotty granite, you know. So, um, you know, now that granite is, 
is um, so inexpensive to be had, really, compared to, um, you know, marble or more um, quartzite or other finishes that we're using for countertops. But that telegraphs a, a date to me, the yeah. spotty granite and the travertine little tiles. And yeah. dark cabinets. Yep. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What a great... Uh, Great tip. Thank you for that. That is um, definitely, and you know, it's, I think that I just put up um, a blog post the other day, um, how the DIY mindset is killing you or something like that. What It, it was um, something about the, the mindset of uh, DIY and how um, it's just not the way that a person who does DIY versus the way that we approach a project um, we see things that, you know, somebody who doesn't do this for a living or isn't always in this, um, it doesn't necessarily stick out to them. So like what you're saying with, um, the cabinets, that's mm-hmm. probably something that most people wouldn't even think of. That's right. Um, how to but to ditch- me, it's just, and, and really when you look at like a before and after and you see a lot of those you know, going through Pinterest, because I'm on Pinterest a lot, and, oh, here's the before and here's the after. Yes, it looks dramatically different if you paint the cabinets or whatever, but those short cabinets are still there. <laughs> you can still, yeah. it, it really telegraphs that all you did was paint them, you know? Yeah. The article that I wrote is how to ditch the DIY mindset and get better results. And mm-hmm. the reason why I wrote that was because I had put together an entire design concept for a client and I gave it to her and she was cutting corners to save money. So she ended up not saving money, but um, she tried to DIY the whole thing and it was the same thing. I mean, there was just all of these mistakes that she had made and um, ultimately what ended up happening is it ended up costing her more money because we had to fix it. So... um, you know, I always suggest to people, like, there's nothing wrong if you want to DIY it. I get it because, you know, when I do a project, I want to save money too. But mm-hmm. I would always consult with someone. Most yes. designers, you know, in any area will have some type of a, a consultation type package. So consult with a professional and get some ideas and some game yeah. plans put together. Um, talk about um, putting together a realistic budget and then have like a game plan because that will help you. Um, if you have an action plan that gives you this roadmap, you're going to get better results and you're going to end up getting a space that you love that is going to last longer than if you right. do DIY it and it's wrong. Right. And, you know, another thing that um, that I think I, I always try to push my clients on remodels because I have literally had clients where, you know, they saved – they tried to save and so they didn't do certain things you know to their remodel and you know they end up putting good money on top of bad you know like I really hate to see that because in the long run you know two years down the road after the whole remodel is over you're not going to feel that satisfaction unless you really push it and go for it the first time you know so um, if if you can go go as far as you can just to really get that final look that you want um, and you know, try not to cut back um, just so you can, you know, on down the road, you won't feel like you have to redo again, you know? Right. If you cut corners, you're not going to be as satisfied. The re- you aren't going to be as happy with the results. If you just, right. you know, rip it's, the Band-Aid off. to spend on a, on a result that's not going to be, you know, amazing for you and, and last a long time for you. So make your dollars really count and, um you know, try to push it as much as you can. That's, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like it's, it's going to hurt initially, you know, especially if you're really focused on the dollars, but the long run, like I was, I just got an email from a client. I did um, their vacation home in Las Vegas eight years ago and um, they have decided to sell it. So he emailed me the new homeowner who's purchasing it and said that, you know, this gentleman is is interested in in some things and and whatnot. But it was uh, mainly just information on where he could get uh, like the uh, shades that we had put in and um, he wanted to um, get a couple of them repaired because they had been used obviously and, and a couple of them were damaged. But 
um, the new homeowner was like, man, this space just, it looks really great. It feels really great. We bought the house with all of the furniture and the design. Um, you really did a great job. And he said, I have to tell you, when I, I first viewed the home, I thought that it had just been built and was done just a couple of years ago. And so mm -hmm. that was such a true testament to if it's done right the first time, Mm -hmm. I mean, here we are eight years later, and it still looks very fresh and very current um, mm -hmm. because he hired a professional. And I think that that's a valid point because many of us designers, the trends that most consumers think are trends, like you and I have been doing for the last five to seven years. Mm -hmm. So it's starting to phase out in our world when some of these people are just getting into it. Yeah. So we can foresee the future and, and we can see what those trends are and get those in now so that your investment lasts so much longer. And we know how to stretch that out so that your investment pieces especially can work 15 to 20 years. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, my dear, I knew that this was going to go fast because we always, uh, you know, we can chit chat for hours and hours on end. Um, if people are interested in learning more about you, tell us what your uh, website is and what your blog is and how people can find you. Well, um, it's CarlaAston.com. That's my website. And my blog is located there. Uh, Designed with Carla Aston is what it's called. And I'm on um, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter, and Facebook, and just about everywhere. It's Carla Aston. That's my a-S-T-O-N, correct? Right. right. Awesome. Carla, thank you so much for taking the time today to sit down with me and talk shop about interior design and sure. the industry itself. It was really fantastic talking with you today. Well, nice to talk to you too, Amanda. Now, it's funny, I have to say, to sit down with someone who is in the same industry as me, I presume that all industries are alike and that everyone experiences the same type of pitfalls, exciting things, and whatnot. In design, it's always a battle of getting people to trust and take the plunge. I mean, hey, I get it. You know, it can be really expensive and really scary. I remember the first time that I ever invested in a marketing firm. I was trying not to be my worst enemy and trust that they knew better than I did and man was it scary but I took the leap and it had huge payoffs and let me tell you if you're in the Woodlands area of Texas be sure to look Carla up when I say that she's the real deal she is and when it comes to the interior design process she's someone that you can really put your trust in and get incredible results like Maya Angelou famously said faith truly is in the evidence of the unseen but hey listen and interior design, the results are in what you see and feel. And with Carla, it speaks for themselves. Just go on over to her blog or her website and you'll see from her portfolio, she does amazing work. Thanks, everyone. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast today. If you'd like more information about this show or have comments, email me at info at gatesinteriordesign.com. Be sure to hop on over to the blog, gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash blog, or look me up on Instagram or Twitter at the Amanda Gates. Bye for now. <laughs>